Welcome to our fifth episode on five questions about Israel. I'm Yaron Dekel. And I'm Dan Brotman. Hi, Dan. Nice to meet you again in our podcast. This time, we are going to question, are your views on Israel represented by our mainstream communal organizations? This is the topic. This is the headline. This is the issue in the next uh, 30 or so minutes. Would you like to introduce our three guests? Yes, yeah, so we have three guests today, and I'm going to start with Deborah Livne. She's a veteran co-founder of a medical device company, a mentor to startup entrepreneurs, and the executive director of the Windsor Angel Investors Network. She's an engaged member of the Windsor Jewish community since arriving in Canada 40 years ago. Today, Deborah sits on the boards of the Windsor Jewish Community Endowment Fund and the board of the American Technion Society. Our second guest is Evan Piltz. He was born and raised in Toronto and has been involved with Jewish communal organizations for many years. Evan has served as a lay leader in a variety of roles with UJA Federation of Greater Toronto, including chair of the Young Leaders Division and as a member of the Board of Directors. He's also sat on the CJA Toronto Advisory Council since its inception, served as a Canadian delegate to the World Jewish Congress, and chaired the Young Leaders Division of Technion Canada. And our third guest is Max Lesu, who lives in Kingsville, Ontario, although he's a former resident of Toronto. Max is originally from South Africa, where he was the president of the First Conservative Congregation. In South Africa, he belonged to a charitable Jewish brotherhood, the Hebrew Order of David, Bikur Cholim, as well as a Zionist organization. Max volunteered in Israel during the Six-Day War. And here in Canada, he was the co-president, together with his wife, of a footwear company marketing Israeli products. So welcome to our three guests. Thank you very much for taking the time and uh, making uh, also, uh, making uh, yourself available. And uh, the first question I, I wonder, and I'd like to start with you, Deborah, are you right now or in the past active or affiliated with any Canadian uh, Jewish organization? And if so, what, what uh, appealed to you? about the uh, specific organization? I was born to a family that was very involved with the community in a kibbutz. My parents formed the kibbutz and my dad was a public person. He was even a member of parliament, friend of Ben-Gurion at the time, uh, was sent by Rabin to Washington to sign the peace agreement because he spoke Arabic and I was there too. So all along, all my life, I saw people get involved with the community. I came to Canada. First, I needed to have friends, but then I wanted to give back because I believed that um, as a community, we are stronger. So I was involved. I was on the board of the Winter Jewish Community Center on the Temple Bethel board. I participated um, in a lot of activities when they had an anti-Semitic conference in Ottawa. I flew there. I went to APAC mm -hmm. and connected with CJPAC. I'm still involved with the Technion. And before turning uh, the same question to Evan, I would like, Deborah just to ask the name of your dad, since you mentioned him, and uh, we can know who he is. David, uh, he passed away. David Coren. Thank you. And and Evan, the same question uh, to you. You were involved, obviously, with uh, different uh, Jewish organizations. What did, did appeal to you about them? Uh, well, I, I, I just came from a background where, um, you know, everyone in my family, uh, my parents and my grandparents had been uh, involved in Jewish communal life. And it just seemed like a, 
a natural way of expressing um, you know, my Jewish identity uh, in ways that I thought uh, could be constructive and helpful to, to others in our community. So my mother had been involved with UJA, my father with B'nai B'rith, both of sets of my grandparents owned businesses that were uh, served the Jewish community. My father's parents had uh, kosher butcher shops. My, uh, my mother's parents had a, a store that sold uh, Jewish monuments. Uh, so there, there's a legacy that I wanted to carry on. And, um, you know, as I got uh, more acquainted with the role that the uh, organizations like UJA and CJA play uh, in our community, um, I just felt that it was sort of the most uh, efficient way of giving back because of the way that those organizations touch so many facets of Jewish life. Max, has, have you been involved with the different uh, Jewish organizations in Canada since you arrived here from uh, South Africa? Yes, uh, unfortunately, in a negative way. Let me first say that my first taste of Canada, I was invited there by the Canadian government many years ago, and I fell in love with Canada. But subsequent to that, I uh, lived in South Africa. Uh, I was in Israel in 67. Uh, but the problem that we had in Canada, I found that the Canadian Jewish organizations seem to be distant, very distant to Jews that come from the from outside of Canada. And also I've experienced uh, negative attitudes when we had a business in Montreal where we were confronted with anti-Semitism and demonstrations outside our store which on Rue Saint-Denis, which basically just sold Israeli product. And we had an Iranian member of the Quebec, Quebec uh, legister who was anti-Semitic and kept on promoting anti-Israel demonstrations outside our store. Uh, we approached many Canadian security organizations, Jewish organizations in Can in Montreal, no assistance. In the end, uh, you know, we had to fight this on our own, but eventually we had no... When was uh, it, uh, Max? When was it? Close the business. This was about uh, 10 years ago. Mm. So that is my experience. You never felt like being more involved with uh, organizations, uh, Jewish organizations in Canada, well, and was it because that of that? The, was it because of that in, uh, incident, or there were no, other no. reasons that prevented no, you to be involved? No, the thing is that we had a big business. We had ten stores in Canada, so I didn't really have time to get involved in uh, Jewish organizations. But when I did, it was negative. But I appreciated the synagogue where I used to uh, attend. That that was about all my uh, interaction with Jewish organizations, plus another organization, uh, um, Israel-Canada Trade. They were very good. Evan, um, I'm going to start with you. How do you think Jewish organizations represent the general sentiment of the Canadian Jewish community when responding to any particular issue, whether it be a Canadian or an Israeli issue? You know, I, I think if, uh, if we had had this discussion last year, um, my my answer would be would be different. Um, you know, I think up until just the, the change of you know the actions being taken carried out by the current Israeli government, I think there was sort of a broader consensus amongst the, the Jewish community and those who are supportive of Israel uh, when it came to the the ways in which um, that support was communicated by organizations that I'm familiar with, like like UJA and CJA. Um, so typically those communications were around things like defending Israel and, you know, responding when there's a terrorist attack or, you know, being supportive of 
uh, our, you know, our Canadian government's uh, relationship with Israel and pushing for better diplomatic relations and increased economic uh, uh, connections between our countries and, you know, just the general support of, of uh, the sense of Zionism in our community and organizing things like the Walk with Israel. So, um, you know, in that context, I think they, they tend to uh, be very representative of the consensus. And there are always outliers, those who are on the farther right who would want them to say things that were, um, you know, more, more controversial, perhaps. Um, and those on, on the far left who are, you know, sort of anti-Zionist, who would say that the Jewish community is in our institutions are maybe too supportive of Israel, not critical enough. Uh, but generally speaking, there was more consensus uh, on those issues. And I think they're the, the way in which the, uh, the organizations like CJ and UJA uh, communicated to the to the community was was more in keeping with that. I think now, um, with everything that's going on and, and how contentious it is, um, they're they're really I don't think they're 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 really representing either side um, in that uh, in what's taking place. Those who are maybe supportive of of the judicial reform would say that um, our community should should support uh, and our institutions should support whatever uh, a duly elected Israeli government wants to carry out. And those who are uh, against the judicial reforms and the move towards liberalism uh, in Israel want our community institutions to be more vocal about that. And I don't think uh, at the moment they're pleasing either side, um, which I think is probably an indication that that they are in, in a difficult position and um, I guess want to, to, to stay out of that particular um, facet of Israeli politics right now. Deborah, same question to you. The agency, the communal, communal agencies are tilting towards more towards one side of the debate in Israel. Um, Which is? I believe the people that are protesting against the government. We have a government in Israel that was elected with 64 seats in the Knesset compared to 46 in, in the left. And this is the right, they call it the right and the left. But I believe that it's really not right and left as much as more of a demographic struggle. I believe that there's a feeling on the, what's called the left, who are mostly secular Ashkenazi uh, people, like my family in the kibbutz and my friends. And um, they are concerned about religious co coercion. But on the other side, you have all the Sephardic Jews in Israel, the religious um, Sephardic Israeli and the Ashkenazi religious Israelis who are on the other side and they feel that they don't get to take part of all the government um, role in Israel. They feel that this happened for the last 75 years. That's what they say. And I think both of those concerns are true. What I think in terms of Canada is that the people that have been in the government for all those years, they're also the people that people, the Jewish community in Canada, they know them. I wouldn't surprise if if Yaron Dekel is a secular Ashkenazi, right? I I, I mean, you were in Galet yeah. So anyways, no, but I'm just saying the people in Canada, they have contacts in Israel for the people that they worked with all those years. And they, they, they normally will be holding those opinions. So I think it's influencing the Canadian com, um, Jewish community. But we need to have a more inclusiveness. 
So Max, I know that your involvement in communal life in Canada has been limited, but based on your experiences, do you feel that Canadian or Jewish organizations represent the sentiment of the Jewish community? I don't think so. I can only speak for myself. I am totally dismayed and uh, disillusioned by what's going on in Israel. I mean, any Yehudi Pashut, a simple Jew, okay? Uh, Israel has always been a beacon and ideal for me for most of my life. I think if this situation continues in Israel, producing causeless hate will result in catastrophic consequences for Israel. Mm -hmm. I believe that uh, Netanyahu is the prime mover of the state of affairs, driven by his lust for power and corruption. It's wrong, despite the fact that he was democratically elected, which I, I, I question. I don't know if that is democratic when you have an alliance of uh, people that uh, have uh, uh, right-wing uh, connections and religious objectives. I don't think that is really a, dem a democracy. Uh, the only le legacy that Netanyahu is going to leave in the future is the undermining of Zionism and the Jewish state, the disunity of Israel. Yet I believe it is not for us, but for Israelis to dismiss him and dethrone him. Uh, and then I think that possibly uh, they might get back on track. But the way it is at the moment, uh, I think you're heading for disaster. And Max, how do you think Canadian Jewish organizations should check how the community feels? I, I don't feels... think Canadian organizations, this is an Israeli issue. It's for the Israelis to sort it out, not for us. Which means the Canadian organizations shouldn't take any position at all, just observing the situation right now in Israel. Well, that's That's the bottom line. That's what I, I believe. I believe. Otherwise, we're going to get involved in conflict with the religious in Canada and the, the secular in Canada. It'll leak into uh, Canadian re Jewish relations. You mean, but is there any situation that you think things might happen that you think uh, Canadian communities should uh, speak up? Or anything that happens, it's not a problem of the Canadians. It's not the issue of the Canadians. The Jewish community should be observing the situation and if things even deteriorate, should not be involved and not even speak up. Well, I, I, I see what you're getting at. I mean, Jews in the diaspora, like Canadians, Americans, Australians, South African, have always supported Israel. Uh, but if you don't live there and you're not involved in the Israeli way of life, what is the point of getting involved in what is a domestic issue for Israelis? This is an Israeli problem. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would like to, to, to come to the defense of the, uh, of the organizations that, that I have worked with in the past, because I think it's important to, to understand that the, the, this conversation is happening within a very narrow context of a very, very small role uh, that community organizations play, which is being vocal on these issues. And that's not what UJA is for. It's not even what, what CJA is for. It's not what Simon Wiesenthal, Canadian Friends of Simon Wiesenthal or, or B'nai B'rith. You know, th those organizations do exist to uh, not to reflect the opinions and, uh, and politics of the entire Jewish community, which is impossible because as you know, no two Jews think alike. Um, th those organizations exist to address the, the needs and, and challenges facing our, our, for the most part, uh, you know, 
local, you know, the Canadian Jewish community. So when you say, does it reflect the, you know, the, the, the needs and, 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 and opinions uh, or the work that they're carrying out uh, reflect that? Um, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I think there is a consensus that these institutions should exist to put food on the table of Canadian Jews living in poverty, and they work to bring down the cost of Jewish education, and uh, you know get uh, uh, Jewish seniors to uh, to their doctor's appointments when they don't have family or friends who can take them. So those those day to day needs and and challenges that are faced by Canadian Jewry, um, that, that that's really what what they're there for. So I think when we when we're critical about them when it comes to to matters of politics, partisan uh, matters of politics, um, I, I think we're, we're, we're wading into territory that really isn't um, part of the day-to-day the -day, uh, uh, reason for, for these organizations to exist and, and the work that they carry out on a daily basis. But Evan, so, you know, something that I've heard in Canada is that, well, the Jewish federations in the U.S. have actually been quite outspoken with what's happening in Israel. So why are the American federations outspoken? But maybe in Canada, the organizations haven't been speaking out as much. How do you respond to that? Uh, yeah, I, I think there there's a little bit more of a of a partisan divide uh, amongst the Canadian Jewish community. I think we're a little bit more, uh, not quite 50-50, but but certainly the, the the divide between at least when it comes to uh, to Canadian politics is you know the divide between conservative and more liberal uh, members of the community is a little bit more stark than it is in the United States, in which there's something like seventy five or eighty percent uh, of the community is is leans democratic, uh, big D democratic. Um, uh, but, but I think, I, I, I also think they they may just not, they don't have the tradition of being as vocal. Also federations in the United States don't have an organization like CJA that is affiliated with them. So UJA sort of has this, this arm's length organization that, that, is you know sort of the political wing, um, the government and, and media relations wing, um, and CJA does have to uh, you know because of the role that it plays in the community, you know, advocating. You know, it's not an APAC. It's not um, you know advocating just for Israel. Most of the work that that people at CJA are carrying out are are advocating on behalf of Canadian Jewry. They would spend far more of their time working with government, uh, you know, various levels of government to provide funding for you know uh, for our community institutions uh than they do you know talking about uh, about partisan matters or, or or about israel and um and and because of that they they have a strong tradition of you know non-partisan or multi-partisan approach to the to the way that they that they face those issues uh, because our governments change and you know you want CJ to have as good a relationship with, with liberal governments as they do conservative governments because you know we're going to have a change of government at some point uh, provincially federally municipally um, th these things change and you need to have um, you need to be seen as a, as a you know a, a fair uh, you know and, and not not overly uh, partisan um, in your approach to those matters so uh, you know if, if CJ wants to make sure that you know Jewish Family and Child Services is getting funding from the provincial government. Um, that's that's going to be uh, you know th their role, and um, and something like that is you know doesn't lend itself to hyper partisanship. So I think that's their tradition that the, they're coming from, and when they're now faced with uh, you know with uh, addressing community concerns about the, the current political situation in Israel, um, I think their their reflex is to is to sort of take the same approach. Deborah, uh, can you? name an organization that uh, you feel uh, it does represent you? Dan represent me. I'm in the Windsor Jewish community. 
uh, center, but you're talking about my opinion about Israel? For instance, no. yeah. No. <laughs> this is, uh, I think, the um, agencies here should not get into the politics of Israel. And in that sense, I really agree with Max and with Evan. You know, stay out of the politics of Israel. Where I strongly disagree with Max, you wanted us to strongly disagree. So I think that Netanyahu is one of the big leader of Israel, similar to Ben-Gurion, similar to Paris. That's how Sorry, I see him. Sorry, not similar to Ben-Gurion, with all due respect. With all due respect. You can't compare oh, him to Ben-Gurion. Uh, well, I think Sorry. it's one of the biggest leaders of Israel. And again, obviously, I re I respect Ben-Gurion. He came to my wedding. Uh, he was a friend of my dad. So, of course, yeah. I think what Ben-Gurion did is amazing. Okay. However, well, Ben Gurion, Ben Gurion, well, there was no stink of corruption around okay. Ben Gurion. All right. So let you me know. say something about that. Why people supported Netanyahu, even though he had all those corruption charges, is because people in Israel, the people that supported Netanyahu, they didn't go after, they didn't support Omar that got the corruption charges. They supported Netanyahu because they did not believe the charges. And now there's a trial with three three judges in Jerusalem, and they already announced that there's no bribery, which is what I was upset with Netanyahu when I heard about bribery. But they already said there's no bribery. So we don't know what happened, but what happened in Israel, people support him because they didn't believe those charges. So I mm. believe he's, he's a big leader because he stood up to Iran he did those disagreements. And just lost, let me finish. He's lost his and credibility. He did, and he's he lost did, his credibility. Okay. Let's I, let Deborah I believe, finish. Yeah, I believe that he is still credible. You know, almost 60% of Israelis think so. But the one big thing that um, Netanyahu did was he made it um startup nation. He was the one who moved Israel from being a socialist into more free market and look at the pro at the amazing uh, strength economically that Israel has. I must tell you that I'm I feel a little bit confused because okay. the three of you feel the same that Canadians community communities and organizations not be involved in, uh, in domestic issues in Israel, but that's exactly the position of federations and Sija took till now just expressing their concern about the situation in Israel, which is divided and polarized, and things in Israel deteriorates, and not more than that. So why aren't you happy with the fact that CJA and federations in, in Canada didn't speak up and didn't take side in the conflict in, in Israel, and they just made a, a, a general comment of deep concern of what's going on, Evan? I mean, I don't think uh, any concerned person can look at, um, you know, what's happening in Israel, see hundreds of thousands of people in the streets and not feel that they say, not necessarily to say, listen, we stand in lockstep with all of the demands that these people protesting in the streets are are making, but to say, you know, we are concerned about social unrest. We're concerned that, you know, about the cohesiveness, of the cohesion of Israeli society, that these political issues are, are driving people apart, that the rhetoric is becoming more heated, that when you have people like a, a senior advisor 
to Netanyahu's government saying that, you know, just to, you know, Deborah's point about this being a uh, Ashkenazi versus uh, Mizrahi conflict, that when you have someone saying that they wish that more Jews had, uh, Ashkenazi Jews had died in the Holocaust, you know, when you see that kind of divisiveness happening and you don't say something to say we are concerned, not this legislation should pass or this legislation should not pass. But to just say, we are concerned when we see Israelis going after one another. We are concerned when hundreds of thousands of people have to take to the streets to protest the government, whether we agree with what the government is doing or not. I think those of us who care about Israel do want to see our, or our, our community institutions that we give money to, where some of that money actually goes to Israel. So, you know, to, to, be, uh, to, to be completely apathetic and to say nothing about what's going on there would be, uh, you know, we, they would be sticking their head in the sand. But there are other Canadian organizations, um, like I would say, you know, the, the New Israel Fund of Canada, which would be, you know, because its reason for being is more political. It is more directly engaged with these kind of issues around, you know, the role of women in Israeli society, the, you know, equality for the Arab-Israeli community, uh, equality for the LGBTQ community in Israel, um, when those things are being threatened as they are now. Um, an organization like uh, NIF is vocal about it, but it's because that is the reason that that organization exists. That is what its day-to-day -day operations are, are for. Well, I, I want to wrap up in a minute with a final question, which is a very important question for the Canadian Jewish community's future. But I also just want to share a, a personal story based on my own experience. And I know Max and I may disagree on this. So I, for many years, worked and lived in South Africa, and I worked for a period at the equivalent of the Federation and CJA. Um, and the South African Jewish Board of Deputies, which was the umbrella organization representing the South African Jewish community, only came out and publicly issued a statement against apartheid in 1985. It was very, very late when an official statement was made. I'm not talking about individual Jews or, or, you know, other smaller organizations. I'm talking about the official umbrella body. And a lot of the arguments that they used were the arguments that I heard from, you know, from Evan, that we need to look at social, you know, look after social welfare. We need to have relations with the good relations with the government all the time. But they were never forgiven by subsequent generations for not speaking out soon enough. And I wonder, with the younger generation, the next generation of Canadian Jews, depending on what happens in Israel, if they will look back at our communal organizations and say, we should have said more. So I want to close with a question for all three of you. How do you think the Israeli division and polarization we're seeing right now will impact the Canadian Jewish community in the long term, if at all? Maybe, Max, could we start with you? I think if uh, the situation continues in Israel, uh, I think it's going to be very bad. Uh, it's going to impact Canadian Jews. As I said before, there'll be resentment against uh, the religious institutions. And uh, this whole situation in Israel, if I can just digress for a minute, reminds me of the situation in Spain during the dark decade in the 30s. Uh, <laughs> there was this division between the right wing and the left wing, which resulted in a terrible civil war. And I just hope that's, that's not the recipe for Israel at the moment. I think we all share this hope with you, Max. Deborah? So we have a history of major breaks in Israel. 
Um, it's actually started before um, Israel was formed in when they were fighting for for independence and there was fight between the Palmach and Etzel and Lehi, the different organization. One was right wing and the other one was left wing. And eventually it got settled, but it really tore apart the Jewish community at the time of war. There was also a matter of that where they shot the, the boat um, and they killed Jews that just came from Europe. And it was a major break and it settled down. Oslo was another major break that people were very upset. Eventually it settled down. Um, and uh, in 2005, when Ariel Sharon took, um, um, removed people from the Gaza, that was another major break in Israel. And I believe that Israel is strong enough and it will take, will recover from this if eventually. There, right now there's crisis and if the crisis, there will be judicial crisis in the next few months. And I think Netanyahu already said, it already froze the judicial reform. He's not doing it except for uh, um, election of Supreme Court judges. So um, at, at this point, I think we're going to see coming down. And I think in that regard, it's not going to impact the Canadian uh, Jews. But we, I want to say to Evan, just like what you quoted, you know, people say about Ashkenazi Jews that they should have died in the in the Holocaust. That's a terrible thing that somebody would say. I see every day several hate videos that I, I am on WhatsApp uh, program against religious Jews. It's anti almost anti-Semitic if it wasn't Israelis. So I'm concerned about that. Let's come together rather than separate. And all right. those um, statements are terrible and they're uh, breaking it's, apart. It's so, cause, causeless hate, causeless hate. Yeah. And what about yes. the discrimination against women by the religious on buses and in the army? I mean... Just I don't. Bad, I, I just know? want to say, Max. I think it's yeah. overhyped. The the head of the Knesset of the Parliament is um, mm -hmm. LGBTQ person. He's the head of the, right. and he was nominated by the Likud. I don't think. I think the. I just want to say my opinion. The demonstration really helped to stop the 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 train track for religious coercion. I don't think they will. They can do it now because the demonstration basically um, um, stopped them. So I think that's the positive thing of, of the demonstrations. And I think it will right. continue. If if they will go too far, the demonstration will continue. If they calm it down, it will stop. And we in Canada, we live, ever, um, live happily ever after as, as long as we don't have anti-Semitic uh, attacks. Evan? Right. Uh, sure. I mean, just, just to quickly address Deborah's point, uh, I think that uh, if the kind of things that were being said about the religious uh, and the people who are supportive of judicial reform were coming uh, from senior members of uh, the opposition parties, I think that would be a major concern. But when the comments uh, about Jews and the Holocaust are coming from a senior member of the Likud party, it's a very different story than something that someone That's sees disgusting. on the internet. There's a, there's a, there's a very, there's, there's a, a very, uh, there's a, a high degree of difference on that. Um, I, I would say that when it comes to the, you know, future challenges, 
Um, I think one of the things that the passions uh, that that uh, the Canadian Jewish community is expressing on an individual basis, not um, not not in in terms of the comments that are uh, you know or the statements being made by our community institutions, I think what it reflects is a very uh, healthy level of Zionism. Uh, within our community, if we if we didn't care about Israel, no one would care about what's going on on the streets there. No one would care about the judicial reform, and no one would care about the protests, whether they're for or against. So I think what we're seeing is uh, reflective of a, of a Jewish community here in Canada that is very strongly supportive of Israel, very strongly uh, uh, you know uh, interested in what goes on there, and has a you know a personal and a spiritual in, in investment in in what takes place there. And when that when you have that, and when something uh, you know, serious is happening there, you're seeing people's passions uh, boil up. I would say when it comes to our institutions um, and the challenges that we're going to face going forward, uh, one of the things I think that we should be preparing for is, um, you know, I think Deborah, Deborah was right. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu helped foster a startup nation, but what he is currently fostering is the start to leave nation where those people who right. uh, you know form the basis of the of the the technology sector and uh, other portions of the economy that are really the backbone of uh, of the Israeli economy and uh, pay the majority of the taxes up to 80% of the taxes in Israel are paid for by 400,000 uh, professionals um, and 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 high income people uh, primarily you know many of them in the tech sector uh, as those people pack their bags uh, for places like Berlin and London, I think they're also going to be packing their bags for places like Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver. And we may see an influx and um, of, of and, and Windsor, God willing. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, you know, I think our, our institutions are going to be challenged uh, by uh, an influx of, uh, of new Israeli Canadians um, who have left uh, political persecution uh, back in Israel. And, um, and we're going to need to, uh, to, to reach out to them and make sure that we bring them into the fold um, so that they are uh, productive and, uh, and uh, you know, happy members of the Canadian Jewish community uh, having, having fled uh, their homeland. I think we uh, heard the uh, lady and uh, gentleman three uh, different views and there were um, lots of disagreements, which is fine. And uh, we all know that the uh, Israeli society is um, polarized and, and divided and it does have an impact on the uh, Jewish community here in Canada. And I'm, I'm very grateful that uh, you express your uh, honest, frank and um, open views with us is in this episode about uh, five questions about Israel. So we'd like to, again, thank Deborah Livne in Windsor, Evan Piltz in Toronto, and Max Lesseau in Kingsville, Ontario. This was our final episode of Five Questions About Israel with guests. However, we are going to have one more episode with just myself and Yaron, where we wrap up what we've heard over the past five episodes. So thank you again, everyone, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, that was a very uh, interesting uh, episode, I think, Dan. And I um, totally uh, was not surprised by the fact that they disagreed about lots of issues. But I'm telling the truth. I was surprised that the uh, three guests, uh, Deborah, Evan, and Max, agreed that the um, Canadian organizations and communities should not speak up about the situation in Israel. And I wonder, and I ask, what in what extent they will speak up, if there is any scenario they might speak up. And I was a little bit uh, surprised because that's the, uh, I would say, the mainstream 
agenda of uh, Canadian Jewish organization right now, not to talk more than what they, they're expressing, expressing the concern about the situation, which they did. And um, as you as you asked, the uh, the American uh, uh, Jewish federations uh, uh, took a, a different position uh, towards the situation in Israel, which is unfortunately deteriorating. And they had, despite all the disagreements, I was surprised to to hear that they agree that that's the best way the Canadians should look at it right now. What weren't you surprised by their uh, consensus, kind of? I was surprised by their consensus, and I don't necessarily agree with them. But what I found very interesting was Evan actually talked about how divided the Canadian Jewish community is politically compared to the American Jewish community, that there actually isn't consensus on Canadian politics. So it's probably natural that there isn't consensus on Israeli politics here. And if they choose, if our communal organizations choose one side, they're going to be alienating another side. Um, I thought that was an interesting point. And I also thought Evan's point at the end about um, the soon to leave nation, that uh, we may see an influx of Israeli immigrants here in Canada who uh, feel that they are escaping political persecution uh, means that it's an issue we may have to continue to grapple with in terms of absorbing new community members. Um, but yes, it was very interesting. They came from very different political points of view, but ultimately reached the same consensus. And I think out of the five episodes we had so far, this was, I think, the most intense. And there were some clashes between uh, Max and, and Deborah. I think it's it's fruitful for the discussion, but out of the five episodes we had, I think the most uh, uh, outspoken disagreements came on the on this one, which made it interesting for me at least, and I'm sure for you too. Agreed. So please stay tuned for our final episode, which was a wrap up between Yaron and I discussing what we've heard from our guests over the past five episodes, as well as some of our own opinions on these topics. I'm Dan Brotman. And I'm Yaron Dekel. Thank you very much for listening for the five episode, the fifth episode of Five Questions About Israel. Yeah.